This is Journey Church Podcast. Here at Journey, we believe in encountering God and embracing people. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Good morning, everyone. It's so good to be together, to be together and look at God's Word. I am so encouraged by the number of people uh, that decided to read the Bible together. If you haven't signed up yet, I want to encourage you to do that. We're going to believe that God is going to transform us. And um, we get to do that in community with one another. You know, a few of you commented that maybe like reading it together was like some form of a pharisaical check marking. And um, I just want to speak to that for a minute. You know, the thing is, what matters is our hearts when we're doing this. When we get into that Bible app together, you know, nobody's looking to see if you read it this week or you read it yesterday. But, but the thing is, if we can just make our hearts say to God, God, I, I really want to do this in accountability with people. I want to do it as a testimony to you in, in corporate fashion. You know, we're not just saying yes to that, but we're actually pushing it back against our society that says that all that matters is your individualization. We're actually saying that no corporately together, um, we can grow and learn and be discipled together. So over the next three weeks, we want to look at a really important topic of connectedness. It has to do with what we kind of talked about last week, being connected in discipleship together. Or antithetically, I want to talk about loneliness. Um, This week, I was reading Twitter, and um, I saw a post about a Dutch supermarket chain that introduced slow checkouts uh, for people who enjoy chatting. Maybe some of you read this this week. And it, it has really been shown to help people deal with their loneliness, particularly older people who were living alone. And um, a few Christians on Twitter were quick to jump on this and they said things like this. Do we have any idea how lonely people are? As Christians, maybe we should get more fired up about this than a lot of political things. What would happen if we put our emotional energy into noticing the lonely people who live all around us? And I couldn't agree more. You see, loneliness is a huge issue, particularly as we're coming out of the pandemic. In fact, most of the studies I read say that the most important thing for churches to be focusing on on this these days is making sure that people are feeling connected to one another. Because what we found during the pandemic is that we can get the Word of God, we can get teaching almost anywhere. I'm always really aware that uh, every time I have an opportunity to share into a camera like this, that Thousands of people like me are doing exactly this. But what we what we missed, particularly in the pandemic, was our connection to one another. And um, loneliness was a was at epidemic levels before 2020, but that's only increased since then. Um, let me just give you a few stats on loneliness. Loneliness is likely to increase your death by 26%. So like loneliness, somebody sent me this this week, loneliness equals death in some ways. And for a lot of us, that's how it feels. Um, The feeling of loneliness is suffocating. Um, Loneliness, living alone and poor social connections are as bad for your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. I wondered if it was going to be appropriate if I started this sermon with a cigarette in my mouth, but I decided you wouldn't like that. So I didn't do it. Um, loneliness is worse for you than obesity. It's worse for your health than obesity. Loneliness and social isolation are associated with an increased risk of developing coronary artery disease, heart disease and stroke. Loneliness increases the risk of high blood pressure. And it goes on and on. Severe depression, anxiety, um, cognitive decline and dementia. They're all dementia. They're all tied to loneliness. And, um, 
Well, we can easily see, I think it's really easy for all of us to see that this has major societal implications for us. Um, this also has massive lonely, the idea or the issue of loneliness has massive theological implications for us as well. And meaning this, if we can't figure out how to connect to one another, how on earth will we ever figure out how to connect with God? And, um, you know, if we don't deal with loneliness, it will skew our understanding of what the purposes of the church and our role in each other's lives. So in this series, we're going to look at the issue of loneliness, or we're going to look at the issue of connectedness, and we're going to ask ourselves, what does God say about how we are to be connected? And how does this impact how our church, particularly Journey Church, how Journey Church, church acts and functions? And this week, we want to look at the foundational story found in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, because it has a lot to say about our connection as humans. Next week, we're going to talk about uh, connection and, the pe and people problems. And if you've ever been in a tough relationship or had a season of loneliness, this is going to be a really uh, important message for you to hear. And then the following week, we're going to talk about principles for staying connected, because we all know that um, some of the best intervention is prevention. And so we want to talk about how do we keep ourselves from really um, going through difficult seasons of aloneness. Um, if you have your Bible, so you can turn to Genesis chapter 2. This is our origin story as humans. This is the story that tells us what God's intentions for us were when we were created. And um, the this story in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 is particularly important for us theologically because it tells us about what God intended before sin entered the world. And um, so I, I want to look at this. Genesis chapter 2 verses 15 through 25. You can follow along on the screen. It says, The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You may, eat, you may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat it you shall die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. So out of the ground, the Lord formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave all names to all the cattle and to the birds of the air and to every animal of the field. But for the man, there was not found a helper as his partner. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed it up in its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. Then the man said, this is, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman, for out of man this one was taken. Therefore a man leaves his father and his mother and clings to his wife, and they become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed." Okay, so I want to make a few observations about this text. Often this text is taught in the context of marriage. You often hear it read at wedding ceremonies. But I actually think it has a lot to say about us and our connectedness as humans. The first observation I want to make is quite simply this. Loneliness is not sin. We can see in Scripture that Adam was the first lonely man. And by lonely, I just mean he was alone. This is the uh, definition of lonely in its rawest form, to be alone. Um, and, and we understand that God himself declares that it is not good that man should be alone. God understands that his loneliness is not good. Um, and 
get this though, that Adam was lonely or he was alone before sin entered the world. You see, if you can understand one thing from this talk, I want you to understand this, that your loneliness is not a sign of your defect. It is a sign of your design. Over and over again, we're told in the creation story that we are made in the image of God. And as you read on in the Bible, what you find is that God is a relational God. Theologically, we say that God is a triune God. He's the Trinity. He is a relationship. He relates to himself through himself. His very nature is to be in relationship. And your feelings of loneliness, your feelings of feeling disconnected are a reminder that you were created in the image of God, and therefore you crave connection. Your loneliness is not a sin. Rather, it is part of your design. Part of, we, part of what we have to establish from the beginning here is that there is no shame in feelings of loneliness. Part of the compounded problem with loneliness, and a lot of us know this, is that it tends to make us feel a lot of shame, doesn't it? Because we often feel loneliness being equated with being unwanted. And that's a huge barrier to actually making connections. And really, here's what happens. It begins to become impossible. It feels impossible to reach out for connection to somebody or to express a need for relationship because it feels like you're sort of saying, if you're lonely, well, apparently nobody else wants me. So maybe you will. There's so much shame attached to that. The shame of loneliness can actually be suffocating. But what if instead of berating ourselves for the loneliness that we feel and the lack of connection that we have, that we would use those feelings to remind ourselves that loneliness is just a sign of our design? What's weird is that like, you don't normally ask somebody, like when you go up to somebody and say, hey, how's it going? And we answer in a Canadian way, hey, I'm good, I'm fine. Like, I can't even tell you the last time I talked to somebody who said, hey, I'm feeling really lonely. And I realize that's the design of the creator inside of me. We don't, but what if we normalize that? What if we normalized feeling, sometimes feeling lonely and alone and having periods of feeling lonely and alone and needing connection? What if that wasn't a sign of something wrong with you? What if that was just a sign to remind us that we were created in the image of God himself, who is relational by nature? What if saying, I'm having a lonely season, would become as normal as saying, you know, this has sort of been a difficult season. We've sort of normalized that. It's okay now for us to say, hey, this has been a difficult season. We don't usually become as transparent as saying, mm, I, I'm really having a lonely season and it's hard. But what's weird is that stats tell us that in Canada, more than 50% of us at any given time are lonely, particularly if we're younger, we're lonely, particularly if we have new babies and we're up at night and we're busy all day, we're lonely. Particularly if we work in a job where we have to be focused all day, we're lonely. I, I, my prayer for our church is that we would become an honest place, a place where we could actually say, where shame would be pushed away. And then we could say, hey, listen, I'm having a lonely season. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It means that you're created in the image of God. The second thing we notice here in this chapter is that God cares and sees your loneliness I think what struck me so hard about this passage was that it wasn't Adam who came to God and said, hey, God, I'm feeling pretty alone here. It was God himself who noticed Adam's loneliness. It was God himself who said, it isn't good. He saw that Adam was alone and he said, it isn't good that man should be alone. 
What's amazing is that the God of the universe, the God who created everything, beauty, he placed Adam in this amazing, beautiful garden with animals that were not wanting to eat him, but were ostensibly friendly because he named them all and called them all. He, he was near beautiful um, rivers and trees. And God was still able to see his loneliness in that. Some of us um, that are watching today, some of you watching today, it feels like you cannot complain about being lonely because you have everything that you need. It feels like everything on the outside looking in. Maybe you've got the perfect family or maybe you've had wonderful things happen to you and you almost feel guilt complaining about it. I want you just to put your mind into this scripture in Genesis chapter 2, that Adam was in the picture of perfection, and yet God still saw his aloneness. God sees our loneliness, and he cares. No matter where you are right now, God sees your loneliness. You know, um, some of us are experts at like when we get hurt, we say, I'm fine, I'm fine. This is like a, I'm an expert at this. Um, my arm can be broken, and I'll be saying, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And, and it's somehow somebody said that I am an expert in toxic positivity. This is true, truly true about me. I can say things are fine until they're really, like, really, really not fine. And some of us are experts in that you're really, really lonely, but you've just been saying to yourself for a long time, I'm fine, I'm fine, it's not that painful. It's fine, but it's really not. I want you to know that God sees you in your loneliness. He sees exactly where you are. And he says to you the same thing, the same God that saw Adam and said, it's not good that man should be alone, is the same God who sees you and says, it's not good that you should be alone. And here's what's amazing about God. The third thing we observe from this text is that God provides for Adam. He provides for us in our loneliness. So in the beginning of time, God saw Adam's aloneness and he went to great lengths to provide a companion for him. Um, the text here is is quite extraordinary. It could have just said that um, he said it said that God looked throughout all the um, all the things that he had made, but now no helper was found to be suitable to be Adam's partner. Like, have you ever wondered? Like, God didn't say, "Hey, there's a nice dog for you, man's best friend, Adam. Don't be lonely anymore. Now you have a hamster. You have a pet hamster. That'll be good. Adam, you have a zebra. What about a lion?" God didn't just say like. He went to extreme lengths. Like God could have just said, and now I'm going to create Eve in the same way that he created Adam. But instead he went to these great lengths. It says, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and he slept. I mean, that is beautiful. God put Adam to sleep. And then he took one of his ribs and he closed it up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made woman and he brought her to the man. Just this whole process tells you that God cared enough about Adam's aloneness to, to go to great, God's going to go to great lengths to help you in your isolation. This is the God we serve. This is the, this is the character of the God we serve, that he not only sees you, but he provides for you in the middle of your loneliness. In Psalm 68 verse 5, it says that God 
places the lonely in families. And when we extrapolate both Genesis 1 and 2, Psalm 68, and we extrapolate to the New Testament, we can see that God continues to provide for us in our loneliness. You know, the body of Christ is probably one of the best antidotes to loneliness that has ever been created. And, and God's, listen, the church is not man's idea. The church is not your pastor's idea. The church is not some denomination's idea. The church is God's idea. And it's part of this this goal that God has to place those of us who are alone into loving and, and um, amazing families. All those who have come to Christ, who have said yes to Christ, are baptized into one spirit and one body, the scripture tells us. And we have fellowship with the spirit even when we're alone. And this is why we're connected to believers all over the world. We're of one mind, one purpose, one goal. And your church family, this is why we took some time this morning to talk about vision, because your church family actually, we're actually in one mind, in unity, going in the same direction. We're all in one family together. And, you know, in the questions this week, you're going to be able to look over some of the scriptures that talk about the importance of the body of Christ and our oneness. But some of those scriptures tell us things like uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. This is God's provision. The church is God's provision for us in the middle of our aloneness. And some of you have experienced that. I, I know this to be true because I've talked to many of you about it. Some of you ex have experienced the love and the peace and the joy that comes when you lean into the body of Christ. And others of us, um, we have yet to experience this. But I, I do want to tell you today that God, he is, um, he is a God who is providing for us. He's provided, he, he will provide people. I always told my kids this when they were in, uh, you know, in junior high and things were hard. Listen, our job, if you're feeling alone, your job is not to feel shame about it and to feel unwanted. Your job is to pray, God, would you send me somebody? Because the same God that provided Eve for Adam is a God who will provide people for you. And this is, this is a truth that we can lean on with God. So here's, here's the other thing we see in this scripture, that while God provides for us, we are responsible for each other. So what's amazing about this scripture is that Adam... Could, Eve could have come and Adam could have said, nah, she's not my type. I'm going to go along with like some other thing. But instead he didn't. Instead he, he, he talks about how at Eve is now his helper. And that um, this, is, this is at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This is a beautiful, he gives this beautiful poetic rendering of what Eve means to him. But at some level, it was Adam's and Eve's job to look out for one another. After they were created, it was their job to look out for each other. Um, and this should tell us about our individual responsibilities to one another. So you might be here, you might be watching, and maybe you're not lonely at all. Maybe you've never suffered from loneliness. But I, I will say that it is our job as people in the body of Christ to look out for one another. Now, even if you're lonely, maybe some of you, this has so far been quite stinging because you feel the weight of loneliness. This is actually where we can, uh, pr probably the best way you can address your own loneliness is to look for somebody else who's lonely. And um, if, if, you were, if you were with us live today, I would have you look around the people that generally sit with you in your section. 
We are our brother's keeper. We get an opportunity to see each other, to find each other, to see each other in the good times, to honor each other in the good times, and to carry each other's burdens in the difficult times. Uh, The truth is this was part of our design. From the beginning of time, Genesis chapter 2, Adam and Eve were there for each other before sin. This is our need to be there for each other is not a result of sin, rather a result of our design. We get to be there for each other. God designed us this way. We get to bear each other's burdens. And, you know, my, my question begins to be, what if we could be part of a community where nobody was lonely, where we actually looked out for each other as people? And I had this crazy dream where the church could be a place where we could live into exactly how God created us. God created us to be relational beings. You know, I have a friend who um, came to the Lord as a, a, a young adult. As a young person, she saw her parents murder both of her siblings. And um, she was put into foster care and she went from foster care home to foster care home where she was abused. I mean, you couldn't, if you could think of a bad story, you couldn't think of a worse story. She was in the fifth, fourth or fifth grade and a little girl in her class saw that she was lonely. Now you can imagine that a girl that has gone through um, the trauma she had gone through wouldn't be a regularly functioning fourth grader. But this little girl who knew Jesus saw this girl in her class and invited her, began to invite her over for lunch every day. And my friend told me that that family was a Christian family. They didn't know the horror she was from. She never told them. They just could see that she was a lonely little girl who needed somebody. And she said, um, those lunches gave her enough hope to keep living in the horrible situation that she was in. And she was ultimately moved to another house and then finally was adopted when she was about 14. She came to the Lord when she was about 21. She said the reason she came to the Lord is because she remembered that one family that saw her. I mean, I don't know who you have in your life right now, but I certainly know that the Lord has placed people in your path that you could reach out to, that you could be responsible for, that you could see, that you could transform, you could actually transform their life. This is what we get to do. This is our great honor and our great privilege. You know, part of the reason as a church that we've opened up a warming center is not just so that we can feed people. I mean, we're happy to feed people and we're happy to clothe people. But part of the reason we're doing this is because we really want to have a culture where we see people on the margins, where we see people that, that haven't been seen at all. And maybe you're watching today and you feel like just maybe even in our church you haven't been seen. I, I first of all want to say that we, we see you. And I'm so sorry if you've ever felt not seen. But I want to encourage you to not just stay where you are, but maybe the Lord has placed somebody, maybe you're watching today because you just couldn't bear to come in and out and not have somebody see you again. I want to encourage you to maybe come back to in-person services where you can see somebody who is lonely and who needs you. Your voice is needed. Finally, our last um, observation from this text uh, is this. True connection always, always involves vulnerability. I think it's interesting that the last verse of this chapter in verse 25 says, and the man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. This scripture speaks to how Adam and Eve really learned to connect with each other. And it is a picture of vulnerability. It's why when we have those reoccurring dreams where we've gone to school with no clothes on, it's like horrifying Um, because it's, you're vulnerable without, without covering. You're, you're absolutely vulnerable. 
vulnerable. To lay yourself naked before somebody is a picture of vulnerability. That's why it's a picture of marriage. But it's also a picture of relationship, any relationship we have with people, that we're going to have to learn to be vulnerable with each other. And I mean, we know this in reality because, you know, anybody you have any intimate connection with, you've had some level of vulnerability with. But the truth is, who, who really wants to be vulnerable? This became difficult. And the reason why this is difficult is because when sin came into the world, what was the first thing that went out the window? Vulnerability. How we know that is from Genesis chapter 3, verse 10. Uh, when Adam sins, he says this, the Lord is looking for him in the garden. And Adam answers, he says, he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. When sin comes into the world, the first part of us that is sacrificed is our vulnerability. We naturally hide ourselves. We don't want anyone to see us or we don't want anyone to believe that uh, we have flaws or that we have inadequacies. But true connection can only happen when we're vulnerable. And this is why the saving work of Jesus is so important because Jesus comes and he removes our sin from us as far as the East is from the West. And we are cleansed and free and able to not live under the curse of sin anymore. But as Christians, we, we can live to live with, we can learn to be vulnerable again with one another. This is one of the beauties and one of the benefits of, of living and walking with Jesus. You know, as, um, when I was a young pastor, people used to often say to me, I'm, I'm like so shocked you tell us the things about yourself. Some of you have actually said, I'm saying young, but like maybe five minutes ago, sometimes I tell things and I get off the stage and I can see my mom saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe you admitted that. Uh, and part of the reason I do is I don't know another way to be, but also part of the reason I share with you some of my own inadequacies is because I, I want to model for you in a way, um, I want to model healthy vulnerability that we do no good when we tell ourselves like, oh, we have it all together and everything is great. And I've never had a season of loneliness and I have 8,000 friends and you can see them all shiny and fancy on Instagram. We don't do ourselves any services. You know, social media really is the, is the vulnerability killer because what we do is we hide our vulnerabilities there and just, we, we are like Adam in the garden, hiding ourselves from each other. Um, I, I hope that as a community, what we can learn over these next couple of weeks is how to be vulnerable with each other in a safe way. Now, I'm in no way saying that it's safe to tell everyone or everything, everything about yourself. That wouldn't be psychologically healthy, and I would in no way uh, expect or be asking you to do that. But I do think that there has to come risk, and with vulnerability, there is the risk of emotional exposure. Um, Brene Brown, who is a, uh, an expert in shame and vulnerability, says that here are some steps you can take. And I think these are good steps for us to take. We have to recognize that facing vulnerability takes enormous courage. So maybe you're watching today and you're thinking, I don't think I can ever be vulnerable with people. It takes enormous courage to do that. And so that's why you take small steps. Maybe join a small group this, this semester. In two weeks, we're gonna launch our small groups. You know, joining a small group, you don't have to share all your life. Maybe even just joining that small group is a step in vulnerability, a step in people knowing you. Um, Maybe also uh, she talks about letting go of the constant worry that people are thinking about you. You know, most people aren't thinking about you. They got their own problems. They don't, they're not thinking five seconds about you. And we got to let go of that. And, and don't worry about being perfect. Some of us, you know, you're so close to perfect that it's hard to admit that you're not perfect. <laughs> I don't really have this worry. But nobody's perfect. We all make mistakes. 
And being vulnerable actually is a trifecta. We actually have to take a risk. We have to realize that we're never going to be perfect at it. And, and we have to say, you know, there's going to be some times where I make mistakes in it. So this morning, maybe you're listening this morning and you are lonely. In this moment, uh, I, I, I want to encourage you to perhaps admit that. To say, yeah, I have been feeling lonely. I have been feeling disconnected. I, I feel like I need relationship. I believe that God sees you like he saw Adam in the garden. God sees you today and he wants to provide for you. And um, just maybe even as you're here, I, I want to encourage you to reach out to somebody this week and maybe say, hey, I, I, you could reach out to me this week. I'd be so happy to hear from any of you that are listening and say, listen, I, I'm feeling lonely. I need connection. Could you pray for me? I want us to get to normalize this idea of saying, yeah, I need a bit of connection right now. And I, I, my prayer for our church is that we would grow in our ability to connect with God. That's why at the beginning of the year, we started with, we're going to read the word. We're going to be engaged with the word and the spirit. But you know, our motto here, and we talked about this a little earlier in the service, is to encounter God. The second part of it is to embrace others. We want to be a community that embraces each other. And I know it's easy to do to like, um, point the finger at like nobody embraced me. But I, I want to encourage us to take that responsibility ourselves today and say, God, how could you help me embrace somebody else? And I'm believing that this is going to be a season where we learn to live with each other in such a way that people will know that we are Christians because of our love. Jesus, I thank you for every person that's watching today. I pray that you would encourage them. I pray that you would help them, Lord, to find you even, uh, that they would know that you have found them, even in their loneliness, that you see them and that you are providing for them. God, I pray that you give people courage now to be vulnerable in ways that maybe they haven't before. Help us to reach out when we need to reach out. And God, help us to see each other like you see us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for joining us today on Journey Church Podcast. For more information about our ministry, visit myjourney.church.